0: So we're gonna try and do this anyway. And you can edit this out if you want. If I want. I can. Alright. Okay. Hello everybody, and welcome to The Whole Rabbit, where we don't just investigate the evolutionary traits of the rabbit or its biological history through the archival records of its DNA. No, we investigate the whole rabbit. We get to know its personality. Its sexual fetishes. Find out if it likes to surf. Play drums? Play drums, probably does. Maybe it doesn't. We have to ask the rabbit himself. Or herself. Maybe it's a transvest rabbit. Yeah. We don't know. We used to call him transvest rabbit. But we will know by the end of this podcast. I have a... Of which? What are we talking about today, Lady? We are talking about...
1: Lucifer.
0: Lucifer. <laughs> We're talking about the god of light.
1: Prince of darkness.
0: That's why people think... I think people think this podcast is going to be all about the devil.
1: What I think what people... Hey, people people dig the devil.
0: Well, yeah, we're definitely going to talk about the devil.
1: I mean, you've heard the saying, cool as hell. Yeah. Like, hell's pretty fucking cool.
0: I think that's just because people can't wrap their head around the idea that God may like the blues or strippers.
1: Well, well, God, God likes the idea of hell in general, so... You know otherwise, there wouldn't be one well,
0: he allows it to exist, yeah, exactly. If this is a conspiracy paranormal podcast, we have to talk about Lucifer. We well, brought up Lucifer in our first episode, and I think we sort of just left it. You know, it's good we talked about it 'cause well, didn't we
1: bring it up in our Satanism episode, or no,
0: sort of, but we brought it up within the context of Satanism, so more of an occult movement rather than as an entity or a being or of a
1: we haven't done a Gnostic episode, so...
0: We could do the Gnostic episode before this one, but here we are.
1: Yeah, I guess we're going to have to do this one.
0: Well, Gnosticism will allow us to explore other movies, and it's, it's a related topic to what we're going to talk about, at least to us. At least as I understand Lucifer, he's kind of a Gnostic superhero. Not so much the devil, but we will be looking at Lucifer the devil, because you can't just talk about something being the devil for hundreds of years and have it not somehow leak into the imagery and the symbolism because that's just how symbols work you you appropriate and reappropriate imagery and it all kind of bleeds into stuff that way then that's how we create language and meaning man maybe yeah where do we get started Um, Yeah,
1: where do we get started when we're talking about i guess we start at the fall the war in heaven
0: Okay, so War in Heaven and the Fall. Well, Paradise Lost. Well, did you read Paradise Lost? Because I just started it. I didn't finish it before the episode. I got like a
1: fourth of the way in on an audiobook. Okay, well, we'll start with the popular
0: conception of what Lucifer is supposed to be in the popular cultural mythology. So, once upon a time in heaven, there was God and everything was groovy and God created all these angels, the first of which was Lucifer. And Lucifer was the most beautiful angel, who was the most like God, but Lucifer, who was the most beloved of the angels, too. Lucifer was loved more than all the other angels. Yeah, he was a cool guy. He wanted to become more than God. And for some reason, he led a rebellion against God,
1: which sucked up a third of the angels? And, well, they say, like, third of all the spirits in Paradise Lost, so, like, all the old school gods and everything. So everybody and everything, like yeah. a third, yeah. goes with Lucifer on this. Yeah. Which, so, to me, is pretty crazy to think about. Absolutely. I mean, it's something that's so convincing that, you know, you got God right there. You're know, like, right there. And you're like, oh, I'm going with the other guy.
0: Yeah, it's like, it's not like like Lucifer by himself left and then slowly people started to defect. Which sounds more like what you see in real life. <laughs> you know, it was like, no, a third. I'm taking a third with me. Like, that's a pretty strong thing to do well it took a third with him where's the part where he gets control of earth when does that happen in the popular mythology
1: okay well
0: because that's part of the popular mythology like if you go on any youtube they're like yeah the illuminati runs the world they're all working for lucifer why are they working
1: for lucifer because lucifer was given to earth yeah and that's not like really lucifer that's more of the satan thing but Lucifer or the satan is or the the demiurge. If you're gonna do the whole Gnostic. Well, thing.
0: we're starting with the popular concept, the popular like the most YouTubeist, which is where most of our listeners come oh, okay. from. Okay,
1: well then in that case, it's like, well, you gotta since you can't rule in heaven, get the fuck out of here. I'll give you the the, the physical universe. Is that, that, that what happens that though? You'll be bound to. I think. Well, okay. At what point? At what point does Lucifer get the Earth? My understanding is that N- Lucifer. Comment
0: in the in the comments if you if you are a person, especially if you subscribe to this mythology yourself, because I I personally see Lucifer as a different thing. But if you see Lucifer as like the king of the Illuminati and the devil and the progenitor of all evil that has possession of the Earth through God's co- contractual whatever. Explain
1: that to me. When did that happen? Did that happen before or after the fall? I understand it as um, Lucifer had a huge part to play in creation itself, and therefore everything kind of, like, has his maker's mark on it.
0: Oh, yeah, because his name is inscribed on the moon and on the stars and all that. Yeah. I don't know where I read that. Is that in Enoch? I
1: don't know.
0: Because in Enoch, aren't aren't the fallen angels bound to the four corners of the earth?
1: Well, okay, so in the book of Enoch, he talks about a point where it's like a gigantic hole made of fire that all the angels get tossed into it's like basically the lake of fire and in that he says that basically it says that only angels get thrown into the lake of fire you know only bad spirits Get thrown into the into the lake of fire. People don't go there. Well, who's bound to the corners of the earth? Like for for creating the Nephilim?
0: That's the fallen ones, right?
1: Oh yeah, that's the the Anunnaki.
0: So the so in this so in the Book of Enoch, the Anunnaki are bound to the four corners of the earth.
1: Oh oh yeah, they make those are the angels who take um children who take wives and make children who are the giants. Now we're back
0: to the Greys yeah We're back to aliens because that's
1: that like I, because c- aliens are so hot right now
0: aliens are so hot right now bashar says the anunnaki created us he answered linda Moulton Howe that way on some youtube video in the last couple years here oh
1: dude i love her she's got like the funniest awesomest videos about paranormal stuff
0: well i guess now we've slipped into um enki and enlil because they're anunnaki
1: Oh, yeah, and Enki's whole thing is a Luciferic story.
0: Yeah, because Enki is the Luciferian figure, and then Enlil is the Demiurgic figure.
1: Yeah, which is kind of weird that those two archetypes are bound together.
0: Yeah, and they seem to have a vibrational resonance throughout the rest of these mythologies, this twin pair thing that happens between Lucifer and the Demiurge, God and the Devil.
1: I guess the conception of God and the Devil...
0: Yeah, and it kind of flip-flops in strange ways. I think before we get too into the weeds there, let's talk about Enlil and Enki. Alright. If I remember correctly, Enlil is like the big boss figure, and they're doing this operation on Earth to mine gold, you know? And they, whatever that happens, they're working with these trees, they're working with the tree of life and the, the waters of life, and they create humans, right?
1: They're mining gold, and then they're like, this sucks because we have to do all this labor. So they're like, let's make a race of people who will just do all the labor for us. And they're so, supposedly supposed to, like, work with genetics. So we're slaves in
0: the garden, and it sounds like we are. We don't have the ability to reproduce ourselves. Like, I, where am I? I can't... We can't honestly say we're drawing this from some source. Like, the, we're kind of cobbling together, like...
1: All the u- different...
0: UFO mythology and Sitchin and everything we've channeled heard. Channeled messages. Channeled messages. Like, we're not really sticking to a source here. I kind of wish we were, but... Basically... But it's aliens. I mean, there's it's, no yeah, source. Screw it. Whatever. It's the whole rabbit. <laughs> if, if we ever talk about Sumerian gods, I promise we'll, we'll do sources. <laughs>
1: yeah this is this is more of like in in well, the here that hearsay because
0: yeah because whatever you know here we are we're in the conspiracy alien world we're talking lucifer so so you got enlil who's like the big boss and sort of sees humans as like cre- a, d- a tool ch- chattel yeah something to be used the way we use animals if i remember correctly enlil is kind of a bastard Enki is a little more understanding of what it means to be human Enki, I think, may have given his seed to create humanity, or at least was the lead scientist in working with the humans. Okay, I got and something he, on and that. And he identified as, like, their father, or and, and he identified them as his children. And so, I also believe it was Enki who gave humanity the ability to reproduce, which corresponds with the uh, apple of good and evil, and knowledge of good and evil in the Bible. This is, like...
1: I got something with a source on that one. Okay. So, like, Dan Winter...
0: Oh boy! Oh boy! Here we go, Dan Winter. I'm actually gonna have to watch some Dan Winter because we brought dude, it up so much.
1: Dude, you have to. It's like it's like spirit science mixed with like a, a faulty radio signal. Pretty great because he starts going off about just the most highfalutin' stupid shit, and then like if you ask him a question about physics, he just goes right back down to earth. <laughs> it's the funniest fucking thing. I think
0: why I was why I'm so confused about NK and Lila is I. I was writing science fiction stealing some of Sitchin's um, ideas and stuff and stealing stuff from ufology and writing my own story using these characters and now I can't separate fact from fiction from my
1: imagination so I my, my apologies but yeah okay so Dan Winter says that like Enki saw rep they're like these like reptilian things apparently in the they're like you know reptiles that mess with freaking genetics
0: they're like avians or reptiles, these anunnakis yeah, yeah. That's how they portray them in the...
1: Yeah, they're like bird snakes. They don't have empathy, apparently. And so, like, Enki sees, like, one ape, pre- like, pre-human, sees that it's, like, empathizing to, like, other animals that aren't even apes. Like, got, like, this huge, like, sort of empathy ability. And so it's like, oh, that's the one. Well, I'm going to do my genetic experiments on that ape that can empathize with things because we're like weird psychic reptilian snake bird people. But... Our psychic powers don't allow us to care about other people's feelings
0: okay so that was something that gave us like some of the extra juice allow us to be uh, empathy helps us it aids us in our evolution it makes us a more robust creature
1: yeah yeah that's what he kind of talked about like that that's what uh, the reason why they want like Enki is like this weird thing is because he totally did use his seed he had sex with monkeys like or he just
0: used his seed on monkeys to cr- yeah maybe he fucked monkeys yeah we yeah don't know.
1: we really don't know but there's like some weird bestial interspecies thing but back to the book of implied. Enoch implied it implies so in the book of Enoch causality now so this
0: what we're not we're not talking about the book of Enoch just now we're talking about anyway new, so new
1: age, that's New Age Anunnaki that's lore.
0: that's New Age Anunnaki Lord let's just call it that yeah let's just call it what it is it's it's
1: it's, it's New Age lore. We have it. It's there. We have lore.
0: We have lore. It's new agey. Yeah. It's not didactic or academic. I
1: I wish you could see how tall our hair is right now when we're talking about aliens. We
0: sound dumb as hell.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, (laughs) But hey, it's fun. You know, like, look up some of this stuff yourself. Enki, Enlil. There's great stuff to be had there. They seem to be playing with trees of life.
1: Yeah, and he was... Like, apparently what he did was, like, against the law. Like, the genetic coding law. Like, they're allowed to make races, just not, like, stuff like that.
0: See, yeah. So, I... It's – I don't have any sources. I'm just going to get off of that. You Now you just know See, that – See, that's
1: just my, my source is Dan Winter because I don't know his sources because that guy's nuts. And he even says he's full of bo- he's full of shit when he's talking about this stuff. I'm – I so from <laughs> what I – okay, so it sort of sounds
0: to me basically if you take all the stories, all the New Age lore and what Sitchin said, even if Sitchin's like kind of debunked and you take the popular idea, it sort of sounds like – this one off, okay. This one offshoot of the Anunnaki created us, and then this smaller offshoot created us specifically, and was like, "Oh no, they're good. They're like our kids." And then they're like, "No, they're not. They're like our fuck toys. They're like our
1: they're our our mining mining machinery. tools. Yeah, yeah, mining machinery. They
0: they don't mean anything to us." And then. You know, it was the end key people that were like, "No, they do mean something." And so, right here, you have the biblical war, no- the biblical war, and the Gnostic Lucifer. See, I think that the war in heaven was like the higher ups showed up and they saw what was going on, and they're like, "You guys fucked up," and like blew up their spaceships and like stranded them here. That's what I think happened.
1: You think they could retain the knowledge to get the fuck off the planet?
0: Well, they may not have the they may not have the um, Muscovium. Bob Lazar isotope uh, thing to get oh. to power their spaceships because it doesn't naturally occur here.
1: Oh, okay. So they run off of stuff that they can't find here. And, and inf- but but you can find like gold in abundance on this planet, right?
0: And they may be motivated to shoot down craft so that they can put their ships back together you know for we're talking real conspiracy here so i guess that's us blaming um enki no that's us blaming enlil and not enki in this in this narrative enki would be the good guy enki would be the lucifer character and enlil would be the the evil um demiurge that rules over the planet i guess uh i don't know if we want to talk conspiracy the whole time
1: well, that's, like, we're trying to talk about Lucifer and we're trying to, like, give off, like, this is just one of the, like, the Luciferian stories played out in lore. Okay,
0: so we got popular lore. Lucifer appears in the Garden of Eden. Yeah. I don't know if this... this Paradise pers- Lost. This,
1: this, like, that's straight up... Paradise Lost is the story of Lucifer. John Mil- Milton... Milton?
0: Because in the Bible, it's Nishak. That's the snake is how it's referred to. Or The serpent. The serpent. Which interestingly enumerates to the same number as Messiah.
1: Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow.
0: Nasak and Messiah. I'm sure I'm saying that wrong. Same... Are enumerate to the same thing? So that's one Gnostic trip rabbit hole you can go
1: down. Well, Jesus said at one point, "I am the bright and shining morning star." Well, I have something on that. It's like I am the morning star. It's like, and that's like what Lucifer means. So, like, is Jesus Lucifer? Is he the guy who's like, oh, I will do all this messed up stuff?
0: I say yes, but there's a more academic answer that's a little more complicated than just yes. And it's that back when they were doing the Latin Vulgate, they're turning the Old Testament and translating it into Latin, the word Hillel in Hebrew got translated to mean or got translated into Lucifer. So Hillel meant morning star and oftentimes referred to Venus usually was in a dignified sense because
1: have you ever seen like venus in the in like morning like 3 a.m before really the sun comes out it's it, so bright
0: it's so bright it's so beautiful and it announces the coming of the dawn and if you've ever um, been camping or maybe if you were an ancient person the nighttime is kind of scary and you might not make it through the night and seeing the morning star is a sign that the darkness is almost over
1: well like, especially if you live in a world where demons and monsters are totally real things
0: Oh, especially so. The you morning know. star is a great thing to show up, and it signifies the fleeing of the darkness and the demons, and the coming of the new dawn of the new age. So you see Lucifer referred to in this way in the new age a lot, and I guess that's what this episode is going to turn into: is us talking about Lucifer and in, in the different ways you can perceive of Lucifer. Like Lucifer is used for the word morning in Job, as your life will be brighter than the noonday; its darkness will be like the morning. Using the word Lucifer for morning, and that's Job eleven.
1: But were lucifers used in the uh, latin yes
0: lucifer is also used for morning star in uh peter luciferum is used for morning star for venus in psalms 110 and in job 38 can also refer to the constellation Mazaroth.
1: So, so this is just like kind of like a Latin placeholder for the Hebrew script. Right. So Latin Lucifer is a placeholder
0: for the Hebrew Hallel, which is referring to the Morning Star. Now, when it's associated with evil, it's associated that way because of, I think it's Daniel referring to Nebuchadnezzar.
1: As Lucifer.
0: Yeah, Nebuchadnezzar being cut down before the nations and because Nebuchadnezzar was like a bad dude. Like, can we speak to that for a minute? Because Nebuchadnezzar was the... Nebuchadnezzar Nebuchadnezzar the second was the king of oh, Babylon yeah. who took Daniel and the other Jews into captivity Did and he it was was
1: people into like an oven
0: i think that's yeah i think daniel was saved from an oven and daniel prophesized that nebuchadnezzar who was like lucifer like the shining star like a bright one like a high one in heaven was then was going to be cast down and he was he went insane for like seven years it says you know that his hair became like feathered and his body was covered in dew and that he had to live amongst the the dirt and nebuchadnezzar like fell he was like a high high king and then he fell and so they were basically calling him like a lucifer who had fallen and that's usually where you get the lucifer fallen from heaven thing in the bible
1: because there's not really many times that they actually mention a character who is a bad guy dropping from heaven except for like that reference right there right sorry what so that's like the only reference of like a character dropping from heaven yeah they're talking about nebuchadnezzar and they're just comparing him to lucifer
0: well that's the thing is they compare a lot of things to Lucifer, if they're high, if they're if they're mighty, if they're high, if they're like God, they'll refer to it as a Lucifer. Or it may just refer to the morning. It refers to the light in general, in some senses. Oh, wow. Here, it's Isaiah 14, 12 and 14. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which did weaken the nation? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend 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 above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. That is usually the passage that's used to refer to Lucifer. And it's in Isaiah. Not Daniel. But Nebuchadnezzar took Daniel. That's why we were getting it confused. Okay. Yeah, Nebuchadnezzar was going to throw Daniel in the oven. You're the Bible guy here. I just went to Catholic preschool. I just got the gist of it. I didn't get the details.
1: Yeah, I never got the details either. I just learned that Jesus was cool. They didn't get to the scary stuff yet. Well, Jesus is weird. Still... You know why? Because Jesus is Lucifer.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm a little bit of a Gnostic myself. I've been warned that Gnosticism can be a bit of a dead end because it asserts that our incarnations here in the material world are non-elective. And that we're all just prisoners in the Black Iron prison. And honestly, it it appears to me it really is more like we chose to play this stupid Monopoly game. And it's a lot like Monopoly where you just don't really want to play anymore. But, like, you just got to finish the damn game. Anytime someone brings up the fact that, oh, we're, we're playing a game and it sucks. You're like, shut up, dude. We're trying to play the game. Like, we know it sucks. Like, you know, when
1: Star Wars... We like, don't need you reminding us how much the game sucks.
0: Like, when you're watching a scary movie, you don't really want someone to stand up in the movie and be like, It's not real! Don't be afraid! Which is totally what, you know, Jesus and the Lucifers of the world sort of do. They sort of are like, none of this is real.
1: It's just, a, It's just a scary movie. It's
0: just a scary movie and you should all love each other. You know, and then we're like, shut up! And the, our version of shut up is, like, killing them. Yeah, because they,
1: like, th- they won't shut up.
0: Because they won't shut up, because they f- hate the damn game, and they don't want to play it anymore. And we just insist but, that they play.
1: But uh, don't you notice how you gotta, like, kill the person who's, like, pointing out the problems? You know? That always seems to be something. Sure. I mean,
0: okay. That's sort of what Lucifer did in the first place. The Even the devil is called the accuser, because Satan is the adversary. The word, the word Satan means adversary, right, and in he, Hebrew, and, that, yeah. and he's the accuser. And that, that idea moves from being an accuser to the accuser to, the, you know, the, the Satan. like the, the ultimate enemy. The ultimate enemy, and it sort of evolves that way up into Revelations, where it moves from more of a general to more of a specific character. That's how the Satan evolves in the Bible, but the Lucifer is largely wrapped up in Nebuchadnezzar here in that little section we read of Isaiah. It gets a lot of play in Milton's Paradise Lost. Oh yeah. And then in the modern conspiracy lexicon, it's sort of is understood that Lucifer is the king of the Illuminati, the king of the fallen angels which has possession over the earth and is working constantly to obstruct Jesus and God's plans here on earth by instituting uh, nefarious policies and disrupting the moral fabric of everything and just basically being a bad globalist evil bad guy but yeah,
1: more just obstructionism
0: but to the gnostic you would personify that force not as lucifer but as ialdabaoth the, like the lion headed serpent of Gnosticism, who's the aborted child of Sophia that created the material world as this haphazard, terrible reflection of the more perfect Pleroma world. And we're all prisoners in the demiurgic experiment and. Sophia has basically tried to gather up the sparks of the divine light and so in that in that whole cosmology the Christ comes as the serpent in the garden to liberate us from our slave master the demiurge because it can be said that in the old texts being naked was a sign of slavery and that they were basically toiling in the garden and that it was the serpent who brought the apple to us to know of good and evil. Also, to know, or to know somebody in the Bible meant to like have sex. It's like that's the biblical sense. So, like when Adam knew Eve, they were like getting it on. It sort of sounds like this apple has something to do with having sex, maybe spilling the seed, maybe knowing that they were slaves somehow because here's the thing the serpent says if you eat this you'll be like the gods you'll know of good and evil and then the demiurge had already told them earlier well you'll you'll die if you eat that well they didn't die they did know of good and evil like so who's the liar the serpent or the thing that is too blind to even find them in the garden after they eat the apple he can't even find them anymore he's like where are you and who puts the who puts the tree in the center of the darn garden and tells them not to play with it it's ridiculous that's a
1: trickster move in the first place let's start there (laughs) Like, that's a Freudian slip if ever I've heard one.
0: I don't, I didn't even catch it myself
1: the tree in the center of the garden what, Who? like you're expecting not to play with it? Well that is that is how the tree is explained
0: in Yogananda's autobiography his master Sri Yukteswar explained to Yogananda that the tree in the center of the garden is the bundle of nerves around you know your penis or your labia and stuff and that that's the tree of knowledge of good and evil and that we were told not to play with it because it's not for our evolutionary good at this point I don't really understand how that works because you you need to have children to evolve, at least from my understanding. I don't know what Sri just far meant by that. And I'm not entirely certain that that whole anti-orgasm philosophy is entirely sober. But we won't get into that here. But, yeah. So, who puts, who puts the tree in the garden and tells the curious... You tell them, you name every creature. Every creature you see, you check them out and name them. Oh, but don't play with the tree in the center. Come on, man. So, let's start there. God's a trickster. At least, even if you're going with the normal, the normy, popular mythos that Maybe. Lucifer is the bad guy, God's still a
1: trickster. Maybe God is Lucifer.
0: Well, okay. Well, God still allows the devil to exist, he allows the devil to tempt us. He's allowing this whole thing to happen, even in that cosmology. But back to the Gnostic, you know, we get that we get the knowledge of good and evil, and they're like, oh, we're naked, we're slaves. Great, you know, we want to clothe ourselves in wisdom and in knowledge, and when we do that, God doesn't even. God, quote-unquote, doesn't even recognize us and casts us out of the garden, you know, quote-unquote. And without getting too a, a. coetting, you know, and making the good guy, the bad guy, and the bad guy the good guy, that's more or less the narrative. But there's some other parallels here that I found in our research about Lucifer. This parallel between the serpent in the garden, the trickster, and helping out slaves. So in the 1980 writings of uh, Henry Louis Gates talks about Brother Rabbit, which is spelled... Like, like, Brother Rabbit. You know what I mean?
1: Brer, Br'er. Br'er Rabbit.
0: Rabbit. But I think it's me. I think it's, it's supposed, it's brother, it's a contraction of Brother Rabbit. So it's like.
1: Br'er h- Rabbit.
0: Like how a slave would say Brother Rabbit, right? According to Henry Louis Gates, Brother Rabbit uh, uses clever language to perform a kind of rebellious societal deconstruction. The Brother Rabbit is the creative way that the slave community responded to the oppressor's failure to address them as human beings created in the image of God. The figurative representation of the slave community, Brother Rabbit, is the hero with a fragile body but a deceptively strong mind that allows him to create his own symbols in defiance of the perverted logic of the oppressor. By twisting the language to create these symbols, Brother Rabbit not only was the personification of the ethic of self-preservation for the slave community, but also an alternative response to the oppressor's false doctrine of anthropology. That sounds so much like Lucifer to me, I can hardly stand it. And the fact that it's in the form of a rabbit just makes me just just laugh with joy because... The Aztecs saw Venus as the rabbit planet, and of course, there's the parallel between Venus, the morning star, and Lucifer, which we've expounded on pretty thoroughly earlier in the episode. Halel Ben-Shahar, the shining one of the dawn, Venus the morning star. The rabbit also appears as a trickster elsewhere. Most specifically, there's a Promethean archetype in Native American folklore, and it's associated with the coyote spirit or the raven spirit, who steals fire from the gods in the form of the stars, and the moon, and the sun, bequeaths knowledge of how to live to humanity, teaches them how to fish, and teaches them a lot of different things that help them live. Which is quite a bit like the Azazel myth, where Azazel helps humanity learn how to put on makeup, metalworking, and there's Cocapelli. A lot of the primary gods of the mythologies around the world is a trickster deity that steals something from heaven.
1: You know, like, where? okay, what about
0: Prometheus, huh?
1: Yeah, Prometheus... He, uh, steals the fire from Zeus and, uh, gives it to mortals. And then what happens to Prometheus because of it? Oh, he gets, like, strapped to a rock and then the vultures of Zeus eat his
0: liver every day. Eat his liver every day. And as we discussed, I think, in the first episode, the liver was used in divination.
1: And also that, uh, Prometheus, his superpower was foresight foresight if you're stealing his liver you're kind of taking away his ability to look forward
0: there's no trickster without foresight how can you be a trickster without some damn foresight it's and seeing impossible how
1: funny something's gonna be you
0: have to set up the joke yeah like you can't separate those two things also re- the idea of revelation itself especially if your revelation is revealing evangelical versus disangelical good news versus bad news
1: evangelical cats got gospel for you we are all evangelical cats.
0: <laughs> if you believe that God is revealing something and is a bit of a trickster himself, like there you have it. It's I think it's sort of built into the formula, the trickster.
1: I mean, oh, if you listen to those evangelicals and they all tell you that like Satan is the greatest trickster in the in the universe and blah 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 blah, and they just keep going on about it, and then they're like, oh, but we know his name. It's Lucifer. It's gotta be, you know. It's like, we know, we know the tricks and the guy's like looking at you with like some wild eyes, you know, trying to convince you of this, of this thing that he just told you that like this guy's like the most powerful trickster. So why wouldn't he just like give somebody else a bad rap for, for what they're doing? Think for a moment about if God
0: has a plan, if God has a plan and Christ is part of that plan, there's really no redemption in Christ unless you have eaten from the apple in the first place so the connection between the serpent and the messiah is pretty linked you don't have one without the other and if god has a plan then those two inextricably linked archetypes do have a connection and it should be explored especially in revelations when christ refers to himself as the morning star
1: Wait okay, so wait 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 so but now
0: we're talking about the serpent too
1: well, so here's the thing. So in, under that idea, it would be like Jesus is Lucifer and comes down as the serpent to tempt man, so that they he can go back and redeem man. So it's just like it's just a story. It's about it's about enacting like a story or a play. They dang guy's
0: a trickster the whole way through. Like just think of it, the it, campaign of Christ in the first place.
1: It reminds it, me of the Stanley Parable. He
0: Christ says to be as wise as serpent, but as um, plain as doves.
1: I don't know if it was plain. But as pure as doves. Pure as doves. Because Crowley uses that symbology as the people who go up the Kabbalistic tree of attainment and then the people who like hand down the secrets. So the serpents rise up the tree and then the doves hand down the wisdom.
0: We had a request to do Thelema. We were going to do that episode for you. Yeah, so we're, we're working on it right now. So we're referring to Thelema now. And it's, it's coming up so much. We well, we, we have to it's about It's going to
1: be Aleister Crowley as well. We knew it was going to come up a full uh, episode. It's going to. Because st- you can't go an episode without mentioning Aleister Crowley. So
0: yeah. within that framework, there is no Christ without the serpent. They both enumerate to the same thing in Hebrew, Gematria. And then, I don't know, they seem linked somehow. Like you have...
1: Well, okay, so according to New Age lore... Lucifer is the other side of Christ with, or or Michael. Yeah, without the um without the love. Like Lucifer is just light without love in the New Age. Yeah, in the New Age lore, while Jesus Christ or also Michael has a dual dualistic paradigm with uh, with Lucifer that they they seem to be the other half that seem to be guided with love, but the same thing, you know. Maybe they're just not as intense. Where is Lucifer
0: seen as a okay in the prophecy? Okay, here's the deal on the whole rabbit. If we're talking about a movie, it's spoilers the whole way through, baby. Like just stop listening. If we talk about something and you don't want spoilers. You just assume... Just pause us. Just assume there's spoilers.
1: Yeah, we're we're, just spoil- assume. we're spoiling the shit out of movies. If we
0: talk about a movie or a video game, there will be spoilers, period. So in The Prophecy, at the on end that, of
1: the... spoilers on X-Men. On the, Men, the Prophecy with... And, and X-Men, uh, Derek Phoenix, because I'm going to be talking about that, about its Luciferic iconography. Because if
0: you're watching The Prophecy, it's probably just to watch Christopher Walken, and I don't really think the spoilers matter, because it's all the same oh, yeah, crap the you've
1: heard here. Oh, yeah, The Prophecy is great. It's it
0: also so has, good. It also has Aragorn in it. What's his yeah, name? Yeah, and he plays Lucifer. Yeah, it's so great. Well, here's Here's the deal. Gabriel is rebelling from heaven because he's just sick of being ignored. Okay? And then Lucifer comes up and he's like, I can't have a second rebellion. I can't have a second hell, because hell is mine. And no, this is not, happening. It's if not happening. If
1: there's an if there's another area, I'm in charge of it.
0: And so there's so Lucifer comes and actually saves the day.
1: And they use like Great. Native American rituals to try to like exercise an evil spirit that Gabriel's trying to get a hold of. so good because with this one spirit who is just like an american soldier who went like so evil so evil evil spirit yeah we're just ruining the whole movie he could like dominate heaven with it but like yeah
0: because because no angel knows of evil like a human does so they could just pick the most evil human and and they're like yeah we're gonna use this evil beast to, to conquer god and like it's so badass and none of the story matters. Just watch it. It's so cool.
1: Yeah, it's all about the stupid scenes. It's
0: all about the angels and Christopher Walken. And there's just cool stuff in it. Just go watch it. Okay, that's evil Lucifer is a bad guy. But there's the Lucifer archetype is a the thing. Um, there's, there's
1: like Jean Grey Lucifer, which is like spoilers on the X-Men Dark Phoenix. Because if you're watching that, you probably, probably are really into comic books. Or you just watch whatever comes out. Because I don't know why I saw it. But it's it's got some Luciferic iconography because Jean Grey, the most powerful feminine, the Scarlet Woman if you will, we're gonna talk about Thelema and Prime us all for that. Uh she has like all the power, being like the idea or the concept of the highest angel. And of course she just starts using her powers for evil. Then she starts using her powers for good. And then it ends and we're all we're all kind of kind of left wondering where they're gonna go from there. But yeah, that that shit's crazy. It's the same same story of like the most powerful becoming like the evil and then becoming, you know. Then it's a redemption story, but it's pretty good. Ultimately, to me, Lucifer is
0: more like my Ishtadeva. You know, I guess you could call me a Luciferian. The, f- the first Luciferians were actually the follower of a, a priest whose first name was Lucifer. So it, it hasn't always meant the devil. So so I'm, I'm calling myself a Luciferian with the defense badge of I don't really worship the progenitor of evil, but I do like the concept of Venus and I like the concept of the Morning Star and I like the archetypes. So what's an Ishtadeva?
1: What is an Ishtadeva? Here's
0: why I'm bringing up the Ishtadeva, because we were just saying that God is a trickster, and that even when they talk about Skinwalker Ranch, the stuff I've heard about it is whatever you imagine, that's how it's going to manifest, baby.
1: So if I imagine the Smurfs,
0: then they'll manifest as the Smurfs. If you're afraid of demons, they'll manifest as demons. There's this concept of God being the trickster and sort of just like, oh, if that's what you want, then I'll do it for you. Very David, very David Bowie, Moonage Daydream. You know, keep your electric eye on me. I'll, you know, I'll be the rock and roll bitch for you. Like I'll put on a show for you. Just tell me what to do. Like I'll go on the cross if you ask me to, baby. You know, very much that vibe. It sort of seems like we see a trickster when we look at God. So. This is a concept I had from when I was a little kid. I didn't know. At least
1: we can't be we can't look at God without being befuddled as if we're being tricked. And there is a concept
0: in Hinduism that allows for this concept to exist. And it's called the Ishtadeva, mm-hmm. where the concept of God itself is such a high concept that's beyond all description and conceptualization. It's sometimes referred to as para Brahman.
1: Or the highest Brahman.
0: Or the highest Brahman. I'm familiar. I think I was taught it was called Nirguna Brahman, but I don't see that here in the wiki. It's somewhere hidden in there. So that's Brahman without qualities. Ultimately, I think when we talked about Kabbalah, there's a lot of that going on so in, in Ain Sof.
1: The essence without aspect.
0: Yeah, so there's a lot of that going on in Ain Sof and Ain Sof Ayer and Kether, right? There's a lot of that whole, the pure light without qualities and then it gets extruded through these different stations that it gains and picks qualities. up qualities and, and then,
1: particular, particularities particularities
0: because and then that becomes saguna brahman brahman with qualities if you could subscribe to the idea that the ultimate light is maybe so beyond description what are you supposed to worship? How are you supposed to devote yourself, bhakti yoga, to the deity if you don't have an image to worship? Even if you know that the image you're worshiping is just a placeholder. Nirguna Brahman. Brahman no, without attributes.
1: Don't, don't, like, so the Naguma is part of... The, that's the, the without attributes. That's what you were saying earlier.
0: Yeah, Nirguna Brahman is the uh, Brahman without attributes. So when you're trying to worship that Brahman without attributes, it's okay... That's like the Hebrew God. It's oh, So then you should think of qualities that that Brahman brings out in your life, things that you associate with the goodness of Brahman, and then you can kind of cobble together what God or Ishtadeva can stand in for the Brahman without qualities. So you're basically saying, well, I can't worship a God without qualities, so I'm going to just put a placeholder there and say that that's like my mirror to God. Or that's my like, I'm going to, that's like my satellite bouncing to God, you know, that's like my my go-between that I've created to help me understand God. To me, that's sort of what Lucifer was to me when I first heard of the concept because I was like, why would God make – because, like, I was a little kid and I didn't really grow up in a religious background, but, like, all the other kids would talk about this stuff on the playground. And, like, so I was exposed to it through the little kids, right? And it was always like, like, why would God create an angel that he loved more than all the others and then, like, cast him down in the hell? It, like, just didn't make sense to me. And what still doesn't make sense to me is, like, angels don't have free will. That's what makes them angels, and that's what makes humans have free will. <laughs> so it doesn't—it doesn't even a, re, a rebellion of angels does not make sense to Luke. Period, to me. So I just kind of dispensed with the idea early on and assumed that
1: it's just dumb ideas. I just
0: assumed that there was something more going on with that story that was worth investigating later, and oh. here I am at age thirty-two still investigating. Okay, I it. got
1: a—I got one for that one. Because I've been thinking about that one for a while. So real
0: quick, to me, Lucifer is like, we couldn't conceive of God, but we could maybe conceive of a first angel. And so Lucifer is the personification of Nettie Nettie. You know, if you can conceive of it, it's not God. If you're talking to it, it's probably not God. It's like God is greater than that. If
1: it seems like God, it's probably not God. So to
0: me, Lucifer is a devotional idea that God is beyond all description and beyond all and is a trickster. I believe that god is a trickster i believe that god has a sense of humor i believe that the church has been probably too oppressive with sex and definitely with women we have an oppressive authority on the planet that masquerades is a moral authority of good and sometimes being the trickster,
1: being the being a, a, re- Again, a rebel you, you, like, is okay, is good. Totally going to lose my point if you continue. What's good is bad and what's bad is good, baby. Okay, so. But not all the time. So I've been on this one for like a while. Is like, why would God create a high angel, like the highest angel and then cast him down? And you really think about it. God created like all these things and then it created a space that's like outside of its own influence, right? And then you're like, okay, well. If God's going to have some influence in a space that's outside of its own influence, you gotta send the highest to fucking represent. So, like, Lucifer's kind of like a natural extension of God into other worlds that are, like, outside of God. It's like the idea of ex- God's expanding into a, into a plane outside of itself, which is like a whole other thing. Like, first it created a realm inside of itself, and now it's creating a realm outside of itself.
0: Okay, and you have to have because so, the Yazidis believe that the first angel Melik the Peacock King, was born on Sunday. He was the first of all the other angels. All Giant the peacock man. And thing and God told <laughs> all God told all the other angels, and all he told Lucifer too, of course. He told all the angels never worship anything before me. Somewhere down the line, created humans. Here's God being a trickster again. Is like okay, worship humans. Yeah, worship humans, and all the angels fall for it except Melik the Peacock King of Sunday, the very first angel. He's like, no, you told me not to. I'm gonna worship you,
1: you alone. God's like, haha, you passed the test. Now yeah. you have the fate of humans' freaking destiny. Like, you own the the fate of humans' destiny, or some shit like that. Or he was put in charge of it. And it's weird because I I don't un- fully
0: understand Yazidi cosmology, but they still have a falling out. And there's like, basically, somehow Teus ends up in hell, but his his tears quench the fires of hell. And it's believed that this, similar to my idea, there's a weird idea that Christ does that
1: in some narratives where he goes down to hell, right? Yeah, that's how they converted the Greeks. They said he went down to hell, beat up Hades, and then opened the doors for other pe- for the, for all the people trapped down there. Maybe that initiated the incarnation cycle. I don't know. It's a good idea. What was they talking about right before that? Melchaeus.
0: Yeah, Melchaeus, the peacock king. Unless I misunderstood, I. The Yazidis believe that he is like an Azazel figure because he came down to humanity and instructed us, and he's sort of like a devil figure, but he'll be... Their idea is that the devil will be redeemed first of all the others and will be forgiven first and will be allowed access into heaven first. And that they'll follow him into heaven first as the first followers. So I that's I don't I don't know if I just explained okay. that badly or that's such a mystic idea that it doesn't really translate to.
1: The cities are a trip because they have like all their places of worship are in these tunnels at like these uh. Underground rivers that it's all one underground river that all of their little shrines of worship are connected to. And they build ziggurats too. Yeah.
0: So they claim to be connected to a pre-biblical culture. And they've just incorporated various elements.
1: They also have the seven archangels like everyone else.
0: And they have rituals from the Roman times, if I remember correctly. The Mithraic, They have Mithraic rituals. Also.
1: Mithraic rituals.
0: They're sort of, it's all woven. They have a big tapestry of stuff in their religion, which is really cool. And they're almost going extinct because they don't really marry outside of their various families that still exist. And they're heavily persecuted by christians and muslims in the area yeah they're like in the kurdish areas of like afghanistan i think
1: was, uh, was it turkey i thought it was turkey and then early occultists
0: oh. early occultists of the 20th century like spread a bunch of weird bizarre legends about them worshiping the devil and being devil worshipers like they like the alistair crowley people were telling everyone like oh if you draw a circle around them they can't they can't get out of it you've trapped yazidi is like they were like a weird fetishized demon worshiping lovecraftian if you draw, thing.
1: if you draw a circle around them, yeah, you're like ah, I'm trapped. Yeah, yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. Stupid, right? Like total auslander bullshit. Like
1: that's some funny stuff. Basically, we're so Lucifer.
0: We're saying is like this trickster archetype. Um, I guess we want to talk about a little bit of what Lucifer archetypes pop out in mass media and film and cinema.
1: Yeah. I don't know,
0: like, how how do we, we can kind of justify this because we made the argument that the Illuminati probably does put symbols and stuff in movies. And if they're, even if they're good or bad or somewhere in between or a little bit of both. It seems like the the wisdom traditions leak into Hollywood movies and the symbolism of
1: ancient stuff or biblical stuff leaks into movies. And besides... Well, if Carl Jung has anything to say, it'd be like it's a natural occurrence that these symbols would come in because they are archetypal correct and besides people are smart artists are clever
0: they read they implement these archetypes because they're inspired by the old mythologies and by joseph campbell they're inspired by star wars they want to weave in ancient gods into their stories and put biblical references and the like I don't know why we're defending ourselves here, but basically want to see, like, where's where do we see Lucifer in film and mass media? I think the most
1: obvious one... Besides that, Constantine. Yeah. With Keanu Reeves. Well, Kean- A lot of... A, anything with Keanu Reeves has, like, total Luciferic symbolism. Like, Gnostic Luciferic symbolism.
0: Yeah, like, Lucifer is the good guy symbolism seems to surround Keanu Reeves.
1: It's pretty good. And it, it repeats itself. I, I don't know if that's even a if he, thing... Even if he's playing a bad guy, it's like... You're like, I'm rooting for Keanu Reeves. Yeah. <laughs>
0: like, is that an Illuminati thing where they like decode your energy and they're like, oh, he would make a good Lucifer archetype because it's like, or is that just typecasting? Is it just, uh, I think is it's it unconscious? T- I
1: think it's. It's just typecasting. Fish, I think we did fish this. in water.
0: We did this argument already. So, well,
1: like, we we I don't think we recorded this one, but maybe we didn't. I no, bet we this did. was something we talked about. I'm before. I'm sure we did. Yeah. So,
0: okay, <laughs> this is the one where the uh, the conspiracy theorists have it right. I'm pretty sure the Matrix is a story of the rise of the Gnostic Lucifer, as Neo is Lucifer. I agree with the conspiracy theorists on this one. And just...
1: Agent Smith is the demiurge.
0: Now, you think Agent Smith is Demiurge. I would naturally think the Architect is the Demiurge. Oh,
1: That's true.
0: I think Agent Smith is Koronzon, 333, the Dweller of the Abyss, who just has nothing to say except I am, and then is easily dispersed by any sort of well, real more, existence. He
1: says Mr. Anderson. You know? and then he calls him Neo by the end.
0: But then we have to uh, talk about Thelema. So, well, right away, when Neo gets picked up, after he's awoken by Morpheus, they pick him up in the Nebuchadnezzar, and it shows the nameplate, and it says Nebuchadnezzar, Mark 3:11. Well, if you go look at Mark 3:11 in the Bible, instead of just looking at it as like some sci-fi name of their ship. It says, at least in the King James it says
1: So this is like a Kubrick breakdown Of the uh, the, Nebuchadnezzar yeah, ship. the Nebuchadnezzar ship
0: So they pick up Neo And then it shows the nameplate of the Nebuchadnezzar And, it, and if you look up Mark three eleven, It says, and unclean spirits when they saw him Fell down before him and cried saying Thou art the son of God And then immediately is reminds me of In the hallway at the end of the movie a- The other after, agents just run away a- Yeah, the agents just run away They fall down before him basically they They can't stand against him anymore And so that's, like, prophecy. Also, there's the—we discussed this before the show because it would have become the whole show. Um, Why do they name the ship the Nebuchadnezzar in
1: the Matrix? Yeah, it's a weird one because Nebuchadnezzar totally was the the Babylonian king that put the Jews in captivity. And the whole time, like, the Nebuchadnezzar is taking him to Zion. And it certainly
0: seems as if the rebels in the Matrix associate themselves with the Israelites— And the Matrix is Babylon. So it doesn't Oh, it
1: does make sense if you think about it like we're taking the people from Zion and putting them in the Matrix in the Nebuchadnezzar.
0: Oh, that does make sense.
1: Yeah, I think this just came now.
0: Well, it also sort of makes sense that humanity used to be this high and mighty technological elite society, but it fell down cut down you know all the nations and now they're all oppressed by these machines and literally living in the gutter eating gloop oh yeah
1: that gloop that supposedly tastes like tasty wheat so that's the fall
0: of nebuchadnezzar like if if humans were babylon then now they're like low and cast down like nebuchadnezzar like eating gloop in the sewers so there's that connection too, and there's also the Gnostic like, flipping and reversing of archetypes where it's like, if the machines think of themselves as saviors or if the machines think of themselves as...
1: Oh yeah, because they're like, we created you a, per- a paradise right and, and you decided that that wasn't good enough for you so we made you a hell
0: basically and so they're saying they're flipping the symbolism they're like well okay if you're israel then we'll be the babylonians and it's also that could be playing into the whole lucifer is christ and christ i don't want to say christ is lucifer but i would say lucifer is christ it doesn't go back the other way
1: yeah there's no there's no going back then you make the, the demiurge is the bad guy yeah christ
0: is the good guy that's the that's the demiurge narcissism.
1: is the tempter Uh, like, to Christ in the desert, if you want to put it that way. And then, yeah, and then the, the
0: Christ is the tempter to the followers of the Demiurge, which is, um, that's a, we, we saw that in, in set, in Horus, when we talked about Star Wars, how they like, whoever tempts the other one wins. The uh, forces of light and the forces of the darkness. That's a motif. Something about
1: making people eat semen. That's all I remember from that one. Yeah,
0: and on on lettuce, no doubt. Which set is definitely a rabbit.
1: Yeah, this is... uh...
0: So archetypes. So Neo is sort of like a a Luciferic Christ archetype. Because, you know, he calls you on the phone and he's like... He even calls the machines at the end of the first movie. Yeah,
1: in the end, he's like... He calls the machines, but even at the very end of the series... He tells them that there has to be a choice. There has to be, like, the the will. So I think that's that's another thing about the whole Lucifer myth is it's the idea of free will just naturally occurring. The
0: free will itself. And in that sense, if Neo is the anomaly, which is free, free will yeah. personified, and he chooses love, it's love under will. It's a Thelemic, weird Christian Gnostic concept of hey, man, love under will. We're not
1: doing Thelema yet.
0: I guess we are We're leading into it So yeah. This will help you Understand Philema I guess I guess maybe we understand flame a little more Than we think we you did You know
1: who else Is played by Keanu Reeves As a Lucifer archetype
0: Who John Wick That's a little more Biblical Demonic Like cause he's the devil
1: Yeah He's He's Baba Yaga
0: Cause he's From east He's eastern european
1: Spoilers He kills everyone Yeah definitely and <laughs> Anyone it, It's really he cool He kills them
0: Yeah and it's awesome you need to see the movie. It's incredible.
1: Every time he kills somebody, he kills the next person in a completely different way. So, he's he's not really a Christ in that movie, but he is
0: more like the devil. What's interesting is it's
1: like the devil trying to redeem himself and he just gets pulled back in.
0: And they do have, I think, is either I don't remember is Dante's Inferno or Paradise Lost, where there's a fighting scene in the third movie involves that book. So good. They definitely play into that that whole thing with Keanu Reeves. And I think we'll have a John Wick episode specifically to talk about it. But you got Neo, and then another Luciferian archetype. We talked about Elsa from from Frozen. I noticed I want to talk a little bit about something I didn't talk about in the first episode because that's like our third most played episode is our first one. So if you've listened to this episode, you've probably listened to our first episode. So um, Lucifer and Elsa have something in common. You know, she has to keep everything under wraps. And then when she can't control her emotions, like all her magic comes out.
1: Yeah, that's exactly what Jean Grey does in the new Dark Phoenix movie. Like Exactly. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, only it's, like, fire instead of ice.
0: And so she's, like, the queen, and then she falls and becomes, like, this, uh, in her own words, the queen of isolation in her frozen mountains. That's more like what we talked about, isolate consciousness with Set, and having a free will that's separate from everyone else and choosing your own path.
1: Oh, that's That's exactly the story of Melkor in, like, the whole Lord of the Rings mythology, like, in the Silmarillion they're their gods. There's like the god of extremes and he creates consciousness by himself, like separate from every everything else, like his own distinctness. That's what Elsa does
0: in Frozen. Also, when she is in her castle, there's the sequence when she's using all her fractal ice powers to create her palace she takes off her crown, and she says, I'll rise like the break of dawn, and she casts off her crown, and then you get what looks like peacock wings appear behind her as her gown as she pushes open the door, and you see the rising dawn coming up over the hills. That I, When I saw that, I was like, oh, it's Lucifer, obviously. So
1: she, like, just trekked up that mountain all night. Yeah. Damn. She used her ice powers, though, because she can manipulate well, yeah, and ice. And she doesn't, like, she doesn't feel the cold so it doesn't bother her right because she's the one creating
0: all that so there's a little bit of that going on there with elsa and the luciferic archetype and that's to be expected because luciferianism is related to feminism because it was eve who decided Yes, I will take the apple, which makes her which makes Eve the first scientist, which makes Eve the giver of enlightenment and the giver of the knowledge of good and evil, especially if you believe sex is that apple somehow, then all the magic comes out of her, you know where. Love is an open door, I guess you could say. You know, if God is if God is an evil male, then you know the devil is obviously a good female, and so there's sexy, sexy. sexy. and so there's yeah. a little bit of that in feminism, which is like what I like about feminism. Well, maybe,
1: maybe, maybe Lucifer is just Catholic devil. Maybe Lucifer is just the Catholic devil, the sure. Catholic Satan. Or sure, maybe they don't like sexy females. Maybe and- that's why they they portray that character lucifer as like the, the the devil
0: well i mean i have my own opinion about that like i think the Jews, let's let's talk about catholic let's talk like, about let's talk about lucifer and catholicism so when i saw my child being born i was like there's nothing i can do and it totally came it came to my imagination i was like imagine if you were a king you were a total powerful male like the the patriarch of the whole thing maybe a priest maybe you were the king of the priests
1: Maybe you were the warrior king of the priests.
0: And you can conquer anything using your religious power, your authority, your popularity, your warrior skills, being able to swing an axe, whatever the hell it is, you can then there's you can, childbirth. You're yeah, then there's childbirth. <laughs> where you love some woman who already has power over you. Basically she, she's
1: just screaming in pain.
0: Screaming in pain, you can do fuck all about it. <laughs> there's nothing you can do. Like and then worse yet, there's probably other women that can do something about it. So the midwives, yeah, the midwives, they're the ones that actually have the power. So you have, like, you know, this patriarchal king, and his his wife is screaming, he can't do fuck all about it, and she's the one that's giving birth to the new life. Right there, in a flash, you're like, oh, woman is the higher, better power, and so the whole idea of original sin and baptism, to me, is like, you know, oh yeah, woman is filthy, here, I'm gonna, I'm gonna... I'm going to fix and redeem whatever that process was. Cause it was so scary and terrible that it had to be bad. And so here I am in control again, fixing what was wrong, you know, you like can
1: imagine like you could hold on to some childhood trauma. If your, your birth was like really messed up, you know,
0: that's my luciferic, uh, advertisement for feminism as much as, feminists are not going to like me for the rest of the things I say (laughs) I still consider myself one because of this philosophy that I I hold deep in me because I was helpless when I saw my kid being born imagine if I was a king or somebody actually important it'd be terrifying and so yeah the idea of original sin and baptism at least to me is a response to the awesome power that is woman and why the hell do these priests have to dress up like women like, is the most important thing about a priest having a dick? Listen to Robert Anton Wilson talk about this sometime. He really is onto something. It doesn't make a lot of sense.
1: Well, Jesus was a man, therefore the priest should be a man. If Jesus was a woman, I guess the priest would be a man now, wouldn't he? <laughs> I'm so confused, and I think it's for the best.
0: And uh, so are they, maybe. I don't know.
1: I don't know. Well, but... d-
0: well, Jack Parsons was like, how could the creative principle be purely male? That's so stupid. The creative principle is male-female copulation, which creates a third or son, you know, which More then thought. manifests a fourth, and that's the Tetragrammaton. And that makes sense to me. I think, I think that, like, male-female generative principle, that's probably the image of God I'm, I'm down with, so. Uh, Jack Skellington's kind of like a Lucifer.
1: All right, you talk about Jack Skellington being a Lucifer. Okay, because
0: Jack, uh, Jack Skellington is the king of the underworld, Halloween land. Halloween world. Halloween world, whatever it is.
1: He's the king of his own world.
0: King of his own world. Not only that, everyone loves him. He's the most beloved. He's the, he even says like, I'm a, I'm a demon of light. He says that at one point in his song. And, you know, he can take off his head. He's inspired all these things and scared all these people. So that's sort of like his song in the beginning is like, I'm the devil. I'm the lord of the underworld. I do this so well. Everyone loves me. And the mortals fear me. But I feel so empty inside. I want something else, you know? And so the Prince of Hell is, like, empty and sad and is looking for something. And so he wanders into the darkness and into the forest and he discovers Christmas Town. And he goes to Christmas Town. He's like, this is awesome. I need more of this, whatever this is. This What is, is this? The... And, What's and, this? And he he loves the warmth of the fire and the smell of the cookies and all the different multicolored right, so lights. This
1: is what I, I like to refer to as, like, becoming blinded through a spiritual experience. Like, he, he went and saw Christmastown in all of its splendor, and then he came back to his Halloween buddies, and he's like, no, we're doing this.
0: Right, but like, here's the thing. When he came back, his Halloween buddies did not get it. So, to me... They
1: couldn't get it. They didn't get the experience how could they ne- how could they get it he's trying to like describe a, a going into like a completely different reality and
0: to me i think that this is either an unconscious or maybe a below the surface reference to like constantine and the conversion of the roman empire from paganism to christianity cuz he's like cuz he's like it's you know santa claus is like this and they're like you mean he has claws and he's like no no not like that you know and it, 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 it kind of like, oh, yeah, Jesus, he's a yeah, but, sun god. So uh, at so some he,
1: point he gives up and he's like, OK, I've got to give, them what gotta want. give yeah, him what they got to give him what they want. He's got
0: claws. Yeah, he's got claws. Yeah. They, you know, so that's sort of to me like, oh, yeah, you know, yeah, Christ, he's he a cre- he creeps into your house. He's got claws so yeah that's, that's christ dude he just that's watches like, you while you're sleeping that's like the scene in holy mountain when they take christ and get him really drunk and they put him in the plastered molds and they like start passing him out and selling him. and it's this idea that like the romans took christ and then became christians but then they just
1: slapped jesus's image on things
0: yeah when they were still just really pagans underneath you know and they, you know, they put they put all this Apollo stuff onto Christ, and to this day, it's influenced our understanding of Christ. And then they sit around making Christmas, making Christmas, you know, making Christianity. <laughs> yeah. And, and they steal they steal Santa Claus, and they put him away. He's the real. They put him in the underworld.
1: Yeah, it's not enough to like just mimic Santa Claus. You have to get rid of the original.
0: They put him in the underworld where all the New Orleans music is where all the robert johnsons are it, yeah. and and that's where they put santa they, claus they put him
1: with john wick bobby yaga yeah they put him with bobby yaga <laughs> and then
0: and then at some point after they shoot him down jack lands in the arms of an angel holding a book so an angel of wisdom, <coughs> he's like, what have I done? What have I done? He's like, all is lost and I've been shot down. And I, you know. yeah, there's
1: some loose for iconography in that whole scene.
0: He's a fallen angel. And then, and then he goes, Oh, what the heck? I did as best as I could. And I remember who I am. I am the pumpkin King, you know? And he like, he opens up the door underneath the angel and descends back down into the underworld to redeem the problem. And so his tears, you know, have to quench the fires of hell he literally goes down and he stops the oogie boogie man which is also the oogie boogie man is a symbol of chance and perhaps determinism much like agent smith is in the matrix so he has to overcome this symbol of chance and hey he has to save uh he has to save his girl sally and santa claus and uh Santa Claus, like, basically, you know, gives him a slap on the wrist, and he's like, you guys are terrible. I'm going back to my world. Sally
1: obviously represents the Sophia.
0: And then he plugs up his nose and does a sniffing thing, and he flies up there.
1: Santa's always done that. He always, he, like, puts his finger on his nose like he's going up, like, ah, you know. All right. It's it's a little signal to people. It's, like, on the nose and shit. I think he's getting happy with all that snow. Dude, you know he's doing some cocaine. How do you think he stays up? All night. You see how happy? Yeah, dropping presents off.
0: Yeah, you see how happy Santa Claus looks on the Coca Cola bottle. You know what the original ingredients is in Coca Cola? It's It's not just sugar. I tell you, it's it's the other sugar. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I think that's a. I think that, that sums it up. I think that sums it up. We talked about Luke Skywalker
0: being like Horace and being the light bearer in the last episode. Yeah. And he certainly is fallen, you know, when we get back to him in episode seven.
1: Oh, you know who's very luciferic? Who? Darth Vader.
0: Oh, certainly Darth Vader's very luciferic as well.
1: Yeah, in the original, or not the original, the original prequel trilogies. <laughs> but Luke Skywalker does end up chained to the rock. He ends up chained to that big old rock and then
0: Hercules has to come free him. You know, which is Ray, the one who just can't be beaten.
1: Ray, Killes?
0: Well, we saw a video that related Ray to Percival. So, Percival's just the most pure and the well, most... Well, I guess
1: the Mary Sue is the most pure. The most pure character. are <laughs> talking about Star Wars again. Yeah. You... I mean,
0: I don't really think we have much more to say about Lucifer except... Um, Except at least, I, Andrew's maybe not as sympathetic, but I'm, I'm, I'm very sympathetic to the Lucifer archetype. It's sort of like my Deva.
1: I think I get it now that we've elaborated on the concept. I think that it's just, it's the, the Catholic's devil. Like, it's the devil of the Catholic Church. It's at, the hot chick.
0: At the end of the day, I, I think if there is an Illuminati, they probably worship Saturn, which is a demiurgic, archonic figure of time and imprisonment and is definitely structure
1: and harvest and death and rebirth and
0: is not venus is not the morning star is not christ and i do not believe that i'm in alignment with the illuminati plot to destroy human free will and the human soul in fact i believe that lucifer is more aligned on the christ side of the superheroes and stands on the side of free will and especially on the side of love i think that's ultimately that's how i want to wrap up this episode this is why I think Lucifer is the devil. I think it has something to do with the idea that Christianity has traditionally hated women and that Venus is the symbol of, of love and that the males of the world are best to seek God in the reflection of woman, and that this idea is so anathema to Christianity and patriarchy that the only place to relegate Venus or Lucifer is to the station of the devil which is unfair. And so, in that sense, I'm totally down with Jack Parsons and Crowley worshipping Babylon Sophia as the counterpart to the God of Light, Horus, whatever. I'm not so much into the bird-headed thing.
1: It's the... It's... It'd be jaw man
0: i like hot i like i like you know if we're gonna talk hot men and hot women like let's let's go back to rome you know like i like that whole aesthetic
1: Dude, it's babylon and jaw those are the two those are the two warring forces that are married to each other
0: if you're looking for a podcast to explain lucifer in a different light and if you're looking to point at someone and say oh he's a luciferian you know you can point at the whole rabbit fine but you know no one's paying us to talk about it not yet. Yeah, we don't got no Illuminati sponsorship. In fact, oh, speaking, Illuminati's...
1: Speaking of, let's get actually the enlightened ones. Now that we've done our like,
0: Illuminati duty you of... You should support us of, since
1: you are the Illuminati now.
0: Now, yeah, now... So, now that we've done our Illuminati duties of deceiving the masses into worshipping the true dark god of... Of, of truth. Of truth. <laughs> um, now you can start sending us our billions of dollars and our Maseratis and... um. You know all the things that the Illuminati is supposed to compensate us for, because that's, yeah, probably not it's gonna better happen. Better
1: than working for George Soros, or Warren Buffett. Oh yeah, or one of the Koch brothers,
0: or one of the uh, the Clintons, or the oh, Trumps.
1: You just get shot.
0: I'm starting to feel sick just talking about this crap. Yeah,
1: that's gross. Uh,
0: You know, let's for our next episode, maybe we'll talk about... Maybe we'll actually introduce ourselves in the next episode. Maybe for the next episode, maybe we could talk about Aliens and Disclosure. Because, man, I watched Joe Rogan for the first time in that Bob Lazar podcast interview thing you did. It was so good. It's happening. Disclosure is fucking happening. Now is the time. Like, we scheduled a Lucifer episode because we had to talk about it. It's an archetype. It's in movies. Go back and watch all the movies we mentioned. So that's the whole rabbit. I hope you guys had fun. Where can they find us? You can find us at Instagram at the underscore whole underscore rabbit underscore. You can find us at Gmail at the whole rabbit podcast at Gmail, but you should probably just write Luke Madrid at gmail.com. Cause I will see that shit pretty quickly. And I don't mind you writing me there. Also you can comment on our YouTube. I see all that stuff really frequently. You can send us requests of, of episodes And we will do them for you because we need You,
1: you can tell us weird stories about your paranormal experiences.
0: And if you would like to talk about your paranormal experiences on the show, you can either write us an email and we'll read them on on air or we can interview you via Skype. We'll have to set up a time to do that. But we have a studio that's separate from this studio where we can do that. But we just have to set up a time to do it. And where else can you find us? We're on Stitcher. We're on the iTunes Store. We're on the YouTubes. We are on the... Podcast Google app. Google Play Store. Yeah, we're on the podcast app on your iPhone. If um, if you like the show and you think it's worth
1: five stars,
0: go ahead and um, uh, think about maybe possibly undoing that. If you that. don't
1: like the show and don't think it's worth five stars, you should still give us five stars. <laughs>
0: we're not allowed to say stuff like that. We're not allowed to solicit reviews.
1: Really? So, Shh. I don't
0: know. That's what somebody told me. I don't know if it's true or not.
1: Can we? No, like soliciting reviews is like paying people.
0: Oh, yeah. We're not doing we, that. No, we can do We're we, just saying no, we if can you do, like the show. We can
1: do super liminal marketing. Yeah, like, like if you like the show, but, just rate us. And you if know? you don't like the show, you should just rate us high. Yeah, sure, because we suck. Because somebody, somebody's going to like us. Somebody has to like us, right? So uh, we hope.
0: More people are listening. So um, that's that's Lucifer, mainly from a Gnostic perspective, but we did address the popular culture thing
1: yeah so now you're enlightened
0: yeah now you're enlightened so um, I guess that really screws up well
1: this is like the Lord of the Rings it just keeps ending it just
0: (laughs) god dang man
1: okay well eat Uh, carrots shoot lasers yeah what do you send me